Good morning. It's Thursday, July 15th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Super, 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 super excited to share with you all today's episode. I have Phil Steele, the college football godfather, on the episode today. We went over the usual 15 minutes, about 22 minutes, just of college football talk. I asked Phil about the process of making the magazine compared to last year. That was the only like media question I asked him though. Everything else was a whip around about all of the college football topics you listeners out there want to know about Phil's national champion pick. Can he find something nice to say about Michigan? Does he bet Georgia plus three over Clemson in week one? Who's his best non-Cincinnati group of five team? Who is his biggest surprise team in 2021? Who are we going to see in five years being number two or maybe even number one in the SEC West? Um, if you removed Alabama from the earth, would it be LSU or Texas A&M? Of the SEC East bottom seller dweller category, which of these new coaches is most likely to find a little bit of success? It's it's a great episode. We appreciate him taking time to talk to us. He wanted me to tell everyone, don't waste your gas money. Phil Steele is only available, the magazine is only available at Barnes & Noble and Books A Million as far as uh, locales in which to buy the magazine. You could also always go online to philsteele.com to purchase the magazine. I'm, I'm leafing through it right now. It's 352 pages. This is, it's a, it's, it's a must-have for all college football fans. And uh, I, I'm... It's not like Phil paid me to say that. I paid for the magazine out of my own pocket, uh, 22 bucks, I think. So anyway, enjoy it um, and, and let me know what you think uh, on the Apple reviews section. I, I look forward to hearing your feedback. We are bringing in Phil Steele right now. Very excited to be talking to you, Phil. I just want to start. I, I'm a I'm a college football media nerd. I've been you know, reading your magazine for a long time. I know most of the people listening just want to hear you talk about their favorite teams, but I'd like to start by asking you how much more fun it was to make this year's magazine compared to a year ago where you wrote you guys weren't even sure if you'd make one in 2020. Yeah, that is a great question. The last year was an extremely unusual year. And I got to be honest with you, in the month of April, I'm wondering, do I even put a magazine out? And then I came to the decision. I mean, my entire office had been shut down for six weeks. Nobody was allowed to go to work or anything like that. It was just me toiling away in the office working on the magazine. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to start interviewing the coaches and we'll see where that goes. And each coach I talked to pretty much said last year, you know, you put the ball on the field, we'll be ready to play. So I got fired up a little bit. I was like, okay, well, we're playing football. I I know that. I'm pretty confident we're going to play this year. And then all of a sudden, the Big Ten cancels the season. And once the magazine went to the press, they changed the schedules. And, oh, it was just, uh, you're, then you get huge doubts. Are we going to play? And most of the radio interviews I did last year, Trey, everybody pretty much was down and thinking we're not going to play football. And it was sort of just going through the motions. You got to have Phil on as a guest. Now this year, oh my goodness. Last year when I talked to first-year head coaches, I would send over my sheets to them. And um, as every single player on the team, all my notes on the player all the stats on the players. And I usually say, okay, put my team in order for me and tell me some about all the players that are going to see the field this year. And the first year head coaches would be like, well, Phil, you know more about the team than I do. I haven't even seen these guys come to the practice yet. So it was a tough to talk to first year head coaches. It was just tough overall last year. This year, everybody had spring practice. Everybody's got veteran rosters and we're playing football and stadiums are going to be full. We're going to have fans. I can't tell you how excited I am this year, Trey. It was night and day difference. Last year would be about a three as far as the excitement level 
level of preparation of the magazine. And this year, maybe 103. 103. I love it. You mentioned the, the weekend where the, the Mac and then the Big Ten were, were canceling. That was like the worst weekend of... Oh, oh. And uh, I, I think you're right there. I think this is going to be a renaissance college football season. I'm, I'm so excited. I want to ask you about I mean, you, you have so much info in here, projections like crazy and, and all this stuff. I think the most notable thing for me though, Phil, Oklahoma, uh, you got the Sooners. I, I don't, you know, tell me if I'm misquoting you here, but, uh, your national title pick first, uh, first natty for the, for, for the Sooners since 2000, you think? That's right. And uh, let me give you the reasons why. Uh, now, talking to the coaches this year, and, and by the way, Trey, I talked to a little over 110 of the 130 head coaches this year, and almost every coach would say, wow, spring practice was great. Not only were the players enthused, but we normally struggle to put together a two deep in the spring, and we went three deep this year. And that's all because of the rule last year where the elders, you don't, didn't lose a year of eligibility. So basically, everybody was back. Everybody's got 16, 17, 18, 19 returning starters. Well, look at the four teams that were in a playoff last year. They only have 9, 10, 11 returning starters, and all four lost their starting quarterback. So if there's ever a year for the field to catch up to the front runners, this will be it because everybody's experienced except for the teams that were playing. And then you look at Oklahoma. They were right about at the level of those championship teams, yet they returned 8, 15 starters this year, and they've got their quarterback back in Spencer Rattler. Now, you know Lincoln Riley knows offense. In his first three years, they made the playoff each year with explosive offenses. This year, the offense is going to be explosive. Spencer Rattler, my pick to win the Heisman, my number two two set of receivers. How about my number one offensive line in the entire country and my number four set of running backs? That's explosive. Now, what has happened, the three times they did make the playoff, they gave up 54 points to Georgia, 45 to Alabama, and 63 to LSU. They didn't bring a defense this year. They have my number five rated defense. You know, last year they only gave up 21 points per game, and Oklahoma actually recorded 37 sacks in their 11 games last year. They have my number three rated defensive line, number nine set of linebackers, and number three DBs in the country, plus their special teams ranks in my top units. You factor that in, if Lincoln Riley's bringing his regular probably best offense in the country, along with the top five defense. I think they're dangerous, especially with perhaps the big boys a little vulnerable this year. Absolutely. Phil, I'm a, I'm a big 12 guy. I, I went to Texas. I, I hear everything you're saying about the Sooners. Lincoln Riley, I think, is one of the best college football coaches you know we've seen in the last however many years. The pushback, anyone's going to say, Phil, you're picking OU. They haven't won a playoff game yet. What, whatever, whatever, whatever. Do you have an example of like a team kind of similar to Oklahoma where all the metrics add up and you're saying, look, just like, just trust me here. Like eventually you're good enough to your, to where you're going to break through. Cause so many people are going to say, Oklahoma, how can you possibly trust them? But every number you say every, you know, every, they fit every category except for the, the they've been there and, and won that before. Yeah. I, I think there's probably been numerous teams and I think you go back and, and take a look at, look at that first playoff that they were in the Rose Bowl against Georgia. Uh, there was a point in that game where you thought Oklahoma had a one, and then Georgia end, ended up rallying and winning it in two overtimes. So they weren't very far away that year, and yet their defense wasn't all that strong that year. I thought, you know, you go back, the last two have not been great bowl games for them, the Alabama game and the LSU game, but uh, the one common denominator is that they didn't really come in with a good defense in either of those. I, I agree with you. Alex, Alex Grinch, is, um, he's, he's got that unit playing really well. You've got Washington as your number one surprise team do you think they're gonna get on the on the doorstep of a playoff appearance or do you just really like them a lot to clarify what my surprise teams are in a magazine, they are a non-top-10 team that I think has a shot of making a playoff. We've got a pretty good track record on that. 
If you go back and look at 2016, uh, I had Washington as my number one surprise team that year. They weren't in the top 10. I believe they entered um, number 14 AP. They actually made the playoff in 2016. Then you go to 2018, I had Notre Dame as my number one surprise team that year. Uh, Notre Dame entered the season, uh, I believe, number 12 in the AP poll, so they weren't in the top 10, uh, yet they actually made the playoff. And then you go back and take a look at 2019, I had Utah. Utah in the Pac-12 title game, had they beaten Oregon, would have made the playoff. And last year, I took a five-loss Texas A&M and called them my number one surprise team. And there it was, Selection Sunday. A&M is battling Oklahoma, or Ohio State. Which one's going to get picked as that fourth team? They just missed out on making the playoffs. So I do believe they have a shot at making the playoff this year. And here's why. I don't think they're a top five team talent-wise, although they do have a big offensive line. Good set of running backs, two solid quarterbacks. Defense is a Jimmy Lake defense, so you know they're going to be good, and they got eight starters back there. But I love their schedule, and this was partially in the 2016 analysis as well. Uh, they avoid Utah and USC out of the South, and their two toughest games this year are Oregon and Arizona State, and they get both those at home. And as I mentioned, I think the fans are just going to be super fired up this year. We're going to probably have the best home field edges that we've had in college football in years, in, in years, because everybody was denied being able to go to the games last year, so there's a lot of pent up, uh, and so I think the home field edges are big. I've got Washington favored in every single game this year, and if they do win every single game this year, they'll make the playoff. The, an undefeated Pac-12 champ will, will make the playoff. Speaking of playoff, do you have? Uh, I'm looking through the magazine right now, Phil. Do you have a your your four? Are we locked in yet? We got Oklahoma, oh. of course. You uh, is it Alabama, Ohio State, and then Clemson? Those are your four. Yeah, I went I went way out on a limb there, Trey. I, I took Bama, <laughs> Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma to make the playoff. How's that for being a risk taker? Well, I mean, the, the thing is though, I, I think those those there the five teams in that tier and Texas A and M is just on the outskirts there as well. I agree with you, and and those are the top six teams. It's kind of hard to leave Georgia out, but who are you going to bump them for? Right. And Georgia actually has two opportunities to burst into it. Uh, and here's what I like about Georgia this year. And and much like Washington, they've got a great schedule. Uh, I like the fact that JT Daniels is back at QB. Uh, he sort of started the last four games last year. They averaged 37 points per game with him. You know, Kirby Smart always has a great defense. I rate him number three. Uh, they also have my number seven rated offensive line and my number two set of running backs in the country. But you look at their schedule. This is one of those years where they only have three true SEC road games. And they're all against teams that are, have first-year head coaches, Auburn, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. So all very winnable. They get the majority of the matches between the hedges. And, uh, you know, of course, Florida's in Jacksonville, but I feel they're a stronger team this year. They play Clemson in the opener. So if they, and they're only a three-point dog, if they take care of business in the opener, they could knock Clemson out and open up a spot for themselves. Or they play Alabama in the SEC championship game. And remember the last two times Georgia's played Alabama in the postseason, they've actually trailed those two games for a grand total of about two minutes, but somehow came up with two losses. There were two games you thought Georgia had locked up. So they know they can play with Alabama. I think Georgia is a threat to make the playoff this year. But as you touched on, which one of the other four was I going to leave out? Given how Clemson ended the season, got physically manhandled against Ohio State and considering what what they lose, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, and considering what Georgia brings back, were you surprised that Clemson's a two to three point favorite over Georgia for now? 
Clemson does have my number one rated defensive line in the entire country, and they've got a quarterback in DJ Uyunglele, who is a guy that uh, started two games last year and led the team to 38 points per game. They probably have a better offensive line, a better receiving core than they had last year, and a more veteran defensive front. So I'm not surprised that the line is there, but I'll tell you this, uh, Trey, if you've got right now, I believe actually Clemson's about a four-point favorite in the game. I'm taking anything over three points with Georgia. I, I like Georgia to potentially pull the upset there, and I, I'm definitely taking the underdog in that game. Should be a great game, and I, I'm glad to see that rivalry come back because I used to enjoy wa- watching the seasons open up with Clemson facing Georgia. Well, they're in the midst of several good recruiting rivalries right now, too, and, and Georgia's kind of been getting the upper hand on, on Clemson there, so I know Clemson fans would love to win that game. Let's let's hop up to the Big Ten. I know you're you're in Ohio, Phil. You're you're a Big Ten base, so this is your neck of the woods. You you seem pretty high on Penn State, most improved team, your number one most improved team. Um, you've got them uh, ranked high in, in several several metrics. I, th- I think Penn State fans would probably be glad to read that because 2020 was a nightmare for everybody. They did not like how the season went. They're not huge fans of, of their quarterback situation uh, with Sean Clifford. You know, he might be capped out as an, an average average starting quarterback in the Big Ten. Um, what, what are some good news you can share with Nittany Lion fans? Well, you know, Penn State lost their first five games last year, but it wasn't really because they were getting outplayed on the field. And you look at the Indiana game as an example. Uh, Penn State had a 488 to 211 yard edge. Now, how do you lose a game like that? Well, they lost on a controversial two-point conversion at the end. Also, their running back opted to run into the end zone for a touchdown as Indiana let them score when Penn State could have taken a knee and won the game. A couple of plays like that hurt them, and and it happened in a lot in their first five games, and they played better down the stretch. But last year's Penn State team came into the season number seven, and then COVID and things just didn't go right, and I love teams like that. When you take a look at all the metrics and you say, okay, everything that could go wrong went wrong for this team last year, they're going to make a big rise. And when you look at the way James Franklin has built this team, he's had great recruiting classes year in and year out. And uh, I, I think that they go 3-4 deep at most positions. And they do play a tough schedule. They'd be an underdog against Wisconsin on the road, Iowa on the road, and Ohio State on the road. But other than that, I've got them favored in their other nine games. So if you're looking for a team to make a big jump and go from a losing record, perhaps to even double-digit wins if they win their bowl game, uh, Penn State would be that team for you. Your recall and your info is just, it's Phil, it's, it's blowing my mind. I know you've got like in the, on the magazine, you've got the photos of your, of your Saturday situation. You've got all this into, I just can't, I think I know a good amount about college football and you're just, I, I, you know, this is, this is crazy. I kind of want to go just, just bounce around rapid fire with you and just, and just see what you got. Give me your best non-Cincinnati group of five program or team, I should say in 2021. This year, I think Louisiana's got that chance. And Louisiana last year, remember they opened up the season uh, knocking off Iowa State in the opener and then uh, had a very good year. They really wanted to play Coastal Carolina in that Sunbelt title game uh, as they thought they could get the revenge on them for the season. When, when you look at Billy Napier's squad this year, 10 returning starters on offense, 10 on defense, Levi Lewis is a QB. Biggest question mark is probably the depth at running back because, you know, last year they had players like Elijah Mitchell, Regis, Chris Smith. They only have Smith returning, but they they do add a Texas A&M transfer in Jacob Cabote. Uh, they've got Imani Bailey, so I think they'll be okay there. And it's a very deep team. Now they play App State during the season, but they get them at home, which I think is is huge. And then uh, they do play Liberty on the road and Texas on the road. But the good news about that Texas game: first year head coach, opening game of the season, and they showed last year they could knock off a top twenty-five Big Twelve team in the opener. I think Louisiana would be the one team that uh, threatens Cincinnati. Well, I'm, I'm glad you landed on Texas. We'll use that as a segue. I think UT is on up 
upset alert in week one against Louisiana, certainly on upset alert uh, week two at Arkansas. That's a tough schedule for a first year coach because no one's going to give you a ton of credit for beating either of those two programs, but they're both very losable games. I don't know if you talked to Sarkeesian this year, but what, what's your what's your vibe on Texas? Maybe how do you see that quarterback battle between Casey Thompson and Hudson Card breaking down? And I just I have a hard time looking at their roster and thinking that they, they can beat either Oklahoma or Iowa State. Yeah, they're not as experienced. And I think losing their uh, quarterback, uh, Sam Ellinger. Ellinger, to me, won them some football games uh, last year almost by himself at times, or the last couple of years, I should say. Now, I'll say this. Uh, last year, when they were talking about firing Tom Herman, I would point out uh, on some radio shows late in the year, you know, Texas is three plays away from being unbeaten. I mean, the TCU game, they fumble as they're going into the end zone at the end of the game for the win, end up losing by two. The Oklahoma game went four overtimes. If you go four overtimes, you change one play, you win that game. And then the Iowa State game late in the year. Remember, they let Iowa State almost start to finish. Iowa State didn't take their first lead until about two minutes to go in the game, and that cost Texas a win. So anyway, this year when I'm talking to Coach Sarkeesian and going over the squad with them, first of all, he's happy with the talent he inherited. Some coaches take over a team, they're like, oh my goodness, what this is a mess. It's going to take me years to rebuild. But he was actually very happy with the talent that he had overall on the team. So that's a plus for anybody. And they've got two good quarterbacks, Hudson Card and Casey Thompson. I think that's going to be a great battle. I went with Card. Uh, I think the, the younger guy, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, that would be the choice there. But then at the end of the conversation, Coach Sarkeesian said to me, Phil, you realize we were just three plays away from being unbeaten last year. So he's coming in with the attitude, we can win. We can win now. He's not thinking rebuilding or anything like that. And I like that about Coach Sarkeesian. I like the fact that he likes the talent he has coming back and has a very confident attitude about what they're going to do this season. I like that too. Do you think this is a big year? Well, obviously it's a big year. As far as LSU's concerned, Phil, do you see see them having totally lost ground to Texas A&M and the SEC West. It sounds absurd that we're saying this. They won the national title two years ago. Ed Orgeron's on the hot seat. Texas A&M's rising. Haynes King looks like he's going to be the guy. Do you think do you think A&M is for sure the number two program in the SEC West moving forward the next five-ish years? Uh, I would say moving forward, it's it's going to be tight, but I love the job Jimbo Fisher's doing recruiting. Isn't it amazing recruiting classes? Every time I talk to Coach Fisher, I send him over my team pages, and I'll be like, wow, that guy's third string? you got to be kidding me. Good depth across the board. And when I talk to Coach Fisher this year, you know, they lose four starting offensive linemen. So you say, that's, that's a problem, especially this year where everybody's got all the offensive linemen back. But even last year when I was talking to Coach Fisher at the end of the year, going over the Joe Moore Award because A&M was a finalist, he said, Phil, even though we lose four starters – we may be more talented next year than we are this year. And this spring, he echoed that, says they may be more talented on the offensive line. And as you touched on, I think Haynes King has a year similar to what Kellamon did last year. So I do believe they're the second best team in the SEC. But the margin's close, and LSU is going to look a lot more like they did in 2019 than they did last year. And here's the reason why. Last year, LSU, believe it or not, lost all the, what, 15 players in the NFL draft, and then all those opt-outs and suffered some injuries. They only had two returning starters on offense, three on defense last year. You expected a drop. I don't think anybody expected five and five and needing to, to get a shoe toss against Florida and a late comeback against Mississippi just to get the five and five. But this year, they got 18 returning starters coming back, a couple of capable quarterbacks. I mean, you know the receiving core is loaded with talent. The offensive line is solid. They have also done a good job recruiting. So I think they're close to a very close. I did pick the Aggies over LSU this year, however. Two more questions for you. Jump across to the SEC East. I'm looking at the, it's very obviously a top two, and then you've got Kentucky at number three. They're locked in for sure. I'm really interested in the bottom four. And when I, I guess I'm interested. I mean, these are, you know, four win teams, maybe uh, 
Missouri, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Those bottom three all have new coaching staffs. And, and Drinkwitz is is second year, but do you call last year year zero since it was the the madness of 2020? Of those four teams, Phil, who do you who do you see as the the most promising? You know, we look up in in five years and and their coach is still there and and they're competing on a big time level maybe with Georgia and Florida. I wouldn't put Vanderbilt in that category. I don't think we'll ever see Vanderbilt re- really be a prime contender in the SEC. I think Tennessee would have uh, an interesting chance of getting back. We've seen Tennessee, Tennessee be one of the top teams in the country before, and uh, Josh Heupel stepping into a, a season with this year where there are a lot of players hit the transfer portal, but if you're talking down the road, I think they have that potential to climb back up where they used to be, which is in one of the top three, and that would be uh, Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee in the conversation. And then you've got you know South Carolina. I like what Shane Beamer's bringing to the table, and he's got good talent that he's inheriting. I think he's going to do a great job recruiting at South Carolina. So I think Tennessee and South Carolina would be the ones that have the biggest upside uh, down the road type of things. For this year, of those four teams, I think Missouri's the best team because they're the one that doesn't have a first-year head coach. They've gone through a coaching change. They've got a veteran quarterback now, and I think Missouri's the best team of those four this year. Tennessee and South Carolina probably have a little more upside. My last question for you, it's about the Michigan Wolverines. I'm trying to find something really nice to say about them. You've got them 40th in the power <laughs> pole, which is like, I, I can't find anything bad, but I can't find anything good. I know Jim Harbaugh is always on the hot seat. I know he took a pay cut. I know the fans want true freshman quarterback, JJ McCarthy. I don't think they're going to get him in week one or week two. Do you have anything nice to say, Phil, about Michigan? Well, you know, Michigan does have talent. They do have 17 returning starters coming back. Uh, as you mentioned, I don't think this is your standard Michigan team. It's one that uh, is a team that uh, doesn't have that superstar star power that you like to have. The quarterback question is is a big-time question mark. The offensive line, I felt, is underachieved the last couple of years. Defensively, they're breaking in a new coordinator, and they play a brutal schedule. I mean, they could be an underdog against Washington, at Wisconsin, at Nebraska, at Penn State, Ohio State at home. They've got some tough games uh, on the schedule this year. So I think their their ceiling this year is probably 9-3 and three if everything goes well, but their uh, the floor is probably 5-7 and seven this year. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's quite the the variance, I think nine and three. Harbaugh keeps his job. Five and seven. New coach, maybe try to get Matt Campbell out of out of Ames, Iowa. Oh, Steel. Wow. Uh, yeah. No, that's that's a little bold take from me, Phil. Um, we loved having you on. Uh, we appreciate everything you do for college football. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Hey, Trey. It was a lot of fun talking football with you today. Really enjoyed it. Thanks again to Phil. It was a lot of fun playing rapid fire with Phil Steele. Made me feel like I was a college football novice and I didn't know what I was talking about because that guy knows just absolutely everything. Our producer is Lance Clinton. My name is Trey Scott. Have a great Thursday. We'll talk to you on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors? But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. 
So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.